0: It doesn't matter what IRR you underwrite to or cash on cash. What matters is, is if the economy goes to hell in the handbasket, COVID pandemic case in point, can you pay the mortgage? and not lose the asset.
1: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Neil Bertrand. Neil is joining us from Dallas, Texas. He is a full-time real estate investor, acquisition specialist, and asset manager. Neil's portfolio consists of over 400 existing units, over 1 million square feet of retail and office under development. Neil, thank you for joining us and how are you today?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's
2: our pleasure. Neil, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
0: Sure, I started in 1996, so I'll do my best to give the condensed version. I did begin my multifamily career about 1996-1997. Started actually on site as an assistant manager. Within 18 months, went from assistant manager to property manager to regional manager. Since then, I've worked with four NMHC top 50 firms. I've had assets nine different states and 33 different markets. I make the joke that I've had assets so nice. We had pet therapists on staff and assets in such rough neighborhoods that you had to make sure you had your Kevlar jacket on and not your suit jacket. But student housing, conventional market rate, tax credits, senior housing. been around a long time and been very blessed to work with a lot of different type of assets and different type of owners. 2017, I decided to stop making everyone else a lot of money and start making myself money. So stepped out, partnered with a great group of guys out of Houston, closed the deal in San Antonio. And then about a year after that, received a call from a former CFO to work on a new development deal with him in Santa Fe. And at the beginning of this year, partnered up with a great gentleman by the name of Robbie Cotta I've known over a year. We spent a lot of time getting to know each other and we kind of both share a lot of the same ideology and are perfect complement for each other's skill sets. As of today, we have 2,187 units under development with the million square foot of commercial and office space that you alluded to earlier, and vertically integrated recruit and looking to make the future big.
2: Where is that development or is it in multiple locations?
0: So there's three developments and they are all north of Austin, one in Lago Vista, which is a 168 unit build to rent duplex community. With conventional apartment amenities. Then we've got Cedar Park, which is 378 units with 60,000 square foot of retail on the first floor, seven-story wrap. And then we've got the Leander Springs project, which is 78 acres, three apartment communities, the large square footage, million square foot of commercial retail, and a four-acre crystal lagoon. What was your retail exposure prior to these developments? It was actually minimal. I did do some commercial, more office building than retail, but we have a great team in Group that has done commercial and retail and also access to a lot of great friends I've made over the years who can help us.
2: And are a lot of these retail spaces pre-leased or will you lease them as you build?
0: We'll lease them as we build. With these projects being live, work, play development, obviously we're focused on dry cleaners, boutique stores, restaurants, and things of that nature.
1: We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved.
2: What are some of the challenges in developing mixed use properties on this scale?
0: Sitting on your hands and waiting for lumber prices to go back down is one. There's always challenges. I've done new development in the past was very fortunate to do three separate projects in two different states at the same time. A lot of it is really permitting, working with the city. Sometimes you're in this time and space where leadership changes occur at the city council or with the mayor. And then now you've got a different vision. So you're kind of back to the drawing board. But all in all, we've been very blessed and very fortunate that our designs were approved and that we're able to move forward and start breaking ground in the first quarter of 2022.
2: What kind of concessions has the city asked you for?
0: Leander really wants to capitalize on the tech movement and all of the in-migration. So they're not really leaning into it in order to attract the tech companies and their workers to Leander. Leander is the fastest growing city in America. The population has grown 705% since the year 2000. Median incomes there are well above 100,000. There's other new development, but there's only one project like this in Leander. So the city really hasn't asked much of us in terms of concessions. In fact, they're actually assisting us with some tax abatements to help us get this thing built.
2: That's great. What's the typical financing structure for development like this?
0: Obviously, you're going in with construction loans first, if you can find the right Mortgage broker, you may be fortunate enough to get 65% loan to cost. My background being all institutional, I've made connection at several different private equity groups and family offices, and we've started our discussions with them and have several interested parties to take it out of construction and finalize it. So we're moving forward right now. Terms are favorable. Construction interest rates, they're down from where they were two years ago, hovering kind of in the six, six and a half range, kind of more in that five kind of pushing six, but the thing is they know that you're only going to have that loan for 18 months. So they want to make their money and have you roll out of it.
2: Neil, are these partners, debt partners or equity partners as well?
0: Well, we've done something very interesting. We established a fund and the fund actually purchased the land for all three developments. And we were able to get all three developments, the land purchased off market, which has really been great because now we've got adjacent land very near to the sites that are being listed by brokers for 2 million more than what we paid. So it's kind of like, all right, we walked in, we got immediate equity. So our core group of investors are IT professionals, tech entrepreneurs, people. They work long hours. They don't really have a lot of time to go in and study this type of stuff. So we helped them out on that front. So right now we've got the land through the fund. The equity for the actual builds will be pretty much coming from private equity and family offices. We're open to entertaining on select deals co-GP opportunities. And what's the anticipated return for investors? So the deal level on all three is 20 plus percent. When you break it down to GPA and LP levels, it's hovering right at about 18%. So very strong returns. Our goal is always to try and double our investors' money within five years or less.
2: And Neil, if you look back on your over 24 years of real estate experience, What's a deal that you lost money on and learned a hard lesson?
0: You know, thankfully, I haven't lost money on deals, but having worked receiverships, I've seen a lot of mistakes made. Having done consulting work, I've seen a lot of mistakes made. And knock on wood, I haven't lost anyone's money or any of my money yet. Hopefully, I can continue that trend. But I think some of the lessons I've learned is the success of every deal depends on the underwriting. If you're going in with a subpar underwriting model, if you're going in with your expectations too high, or you haven't fielded enough advice from not just brokers and property management companies, but other owners in the area, you'll set yourself up for failure. So your success begins at underwriting. After the underwriting, you've got to have a great asset management team and a great property management team that are heavy boots on the ground. So that's critical.
2: And other than going out on your own prior to 2017, what's one thing you wish you did differently?
0: (laughs) Going out on my own a lot earlier. I say that, but I don't think I would have had a lot of the opportunities afforded to me now if I didn't have my background, right? If I didn't have the private equity connections, if I hadn't been a vice president of property management, vice president of asset management, vice president of acquisitions, If I didn't have that trifecta of experience, if I hadn't worked with everyone from Hudson Advisors to Ted Obiola, the pharmacist, I don't think I I would really change anything. Would I love to have started sooner? Sure. But looking back, everyone I interacted with, everyone I met starting sooner, I would have missed the opportunity to have connected with a great mentor who started in the industry in the year I was born. So he's seen what four different real estate cycles. He saw the crash of the 80s. He saw what happened in the 90s, the financial crisis of the 2000s. I wouldn't have that connection to him. And that connection to him is also what made me my connections to the private equity groups and family offices. So I really wouldn't change a thing.
2: Neil, it seems like your network is one of your biggest assets. What advice would you give to some of the best our listeners, both in terms of growing their network and communicating with your network?
0: First off, I think is decide where you want to be. Me having an institutional background, I'm much more comfortable raising money from private equity groups and family offices than I am from individuals, right? So decide where you want to go and who that target investor base is and spend time with those people. I never get offended when someone says, hey, I don't think this deal is right for me or I just don't think we click. That's great. At least you're honest. So don't be discouraged if someone tells you that. It's better to know that upfront. Consistent communication. Don't over-communicate with people in terms of building the relationship. I set reminders and reach out to people, probably different groups of people, at least once a month. Hey, haven't talked to you in a while. Let's grab some coffee. Let's get lunch. Let me know if anything on your side has changed in terms of deal size or what markets you're focused on. So just kind of maintaining that communication and just meeting as many different people as you can through your network, right? Which is how some of the opportunities I've had have come about.
2: And Neil, you make it sound easy, but private equity and family offices in my experience, are some of the most stringent when it comes to due diligence. How do you pitch them? How do you get their attention?
0: How do you get them to bite on a deal? Well, you got to remember, I grew up in that environment. So I know how to speak their language. I know what they're looking for. The underwriting model I use is one that I've sent to Allied Bernstein and Safira, Garrison, Cadre, Cardinal. So I'm comfortable in that space. Is it easy? No. One of the biggest pains is when you meet a new private equity group They'll get you on the phone. They'll let you pitch a deal. They have zero interest in. (laughs) They don't want the deal. They are feeling you out to make sure that you know what you're doing, that you have taken a look at every conceivable thing on the deal. I'm just comfortable in that space. But yeah, make no mistakes. It's not easy. You've got to go in and you have to be really prepared and you have to know everything good and bad about the deal, the area, the socioeconomics of the immediate market. You have to know everything.
2: Do you conservatively underwrite the deals specifically to present to private equity and family offices?
0: No, I underwrite deals to present to not only the family offices, but the retail investors. And I do stress test them. The one thing I learned from my mentor was it doesn't matter what IRR you underwrite to or cash on cash. What matters is, is if the economy goes to hell in the handbasket, COVID pandemic case in point, can you pay the mortgage and not lose the asset? So I do tend to kind of stress test deals. Worst case scenario, I'll run two or three different scenarios. If financing is this, this is what the deal looks like. If we go this way and use less leverage, it impacts the returns. But on exit, it could do this. So I take a look at a few different variables. What advice
2: would you give to somebody who's gotten a few multifamily deals under their belt and they want to move on to something bigger? Would you recommend they look at development?
0: For us, development was a matter of opportunity, right? I'll give you an example. Here in the Dallas-Fort area, we made it to best and final on a very nice Class A deal. Construction started in 2019. It had come out of CO sometime mid-2020. The lease-up was done. It was the unicorn among Class A deals because the developer didn't care about expenses they build, flip, build, flip, build, flip. So they didn't care that the management company had a contract to clean breezeways for $34,000 a year. Didn't bother. Them. So it was a unicorn, right? There's a lot of meat on the bones and I could have immediately cut about $184,000 on expenses just from a lot of the frivolous, unnecessary money being wasted. But that traded at $220 a door. And the winner of that deal put a million dollars hard day one. We are building our vertical deal in Lago Vista, the duplex community, for significantly less than that, for better returns. Even the other projects, which are wrapped, we're building for a little less than that with better returns. But it was the right markets at the right time. We got the land off market. That really helped. And we're working with some great developers, construction companies, project managers, who are able to help us watch those costs. Development's not easy. The Cities can be tough to deal with. It's very hard to find investors who are okay waiting for two years for a distribution check to come in. So
1: it's it's a tough field to be in. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend Michael Blanc who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe. JOE to Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Here's a problem you're probably not solving for right now. Have you ever had a tenant squat inside your rental and refused to pay rent? Or are you worried about renting to a serial rent dodger? You've probably used a credit report for tenant screening before but what if I told you you're missing out on info you need to properly verify prospective tenants? That's a problem, and the solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a summary of a prospective tenant's financial information using bank-verified transactional data you can't get from a credit check. This includes monthly income, payroll, past rent payments, and identity verification. Rentify's reports also highlight non-sufficient funds, overdraft history, and missed rent payments. It's all available at www.trustrentify.com. The best part is Rentify's financial reports instantly verify the full financial picture of a tenant within minutes, so you will no longer have to waste hours or even days verifying their information manually, and you can eliminate the risk of being duped by fraudulent documents and losing thousands of dollars getting unreliable tenants evicted. Visit trustrentify.com. And use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first report package. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y.com. Put in the promo code FAIRLESS, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first report package. Do you take on retail investors as well?
0: We do. In fact, I mentioned earlier that the core of our database are primarily IT professionals, tech entrepreneurs, my partner and our CEO, Robbie Kata. We really focus kind of on the Indian community because, again, high income earners working a lot of hours. They don't have the time to to really dig in. And so they rely on us to help them with these type of things. And it's a great feeling knowing that you're kind of helping somebody reduce their taxes (laughs) and start to build a legacy and and leave something behind for their family.
2: And Neil, how do you attract retail investors?
0: It's really, I think, personality-based. You have got to like and trust the people you work with. Some people may look at me and go, the guy's got all the knowledge in the world, but there's just something that rubs me wrong about him. And they would go with someone who's been around maybe five years over me because they just like their personality better. And I'm okay with that, that's fine. I think it really is, it's relationship-based. I hear a lot of people say, Hey, just give me your money and go away. I was mentioning earlier about it's easier for me to go out and and pitch to private equity than it is to retail investors because I get this mental block. I take it very seriously when I'm talking to retail investors because here's someone who's making 250,000, 300,000 a year, which is really good money, right? And they've managed to save up and, and accumulate. And they're going to trust me with one two hundred thousand dollars of that because our minimum in on, on the fund on the big projects is a hundred thousand. My mind automatically goes to okay. So what if I screw this up? I don't lose these people's money. These are people that I give you an example. I spent a few days in Miami at Patrick Bet David's conference, the Vault Conference, with our top five guys, and they're not just our investors; they're friends, right? We're hanging out in our hotel room and just. Telling life stories and, and talking to younger investors and hanging out on the beach. It's not as white shirt and tie as it is when you're working with a private equity group. They know exactly what they're getting themselves into. They're experienced, all right? Most retail guys have a working knowledge, but they don't know how to underwrite to the extent that we do. So they really don't know what they're getting into. They're really, really trusting you. And that's something I take seriously.
2: Sounds like it'd be a fun deal to invest with you. (laughs) Neil, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Wow. Man, you know what? I remember being a snot-nosed little 21-year-old kid working on a real estate degree. And one of my instructors was a retired broker who owned a property management company. And she and her husband, their way of giving back was to teach at a local community college for people who want to get their real estate license or get a degree in real estate. And I asked her once, here I am, this is where I am in my career. What advice would you give to me to grow and to learn? And it was just the most brutal brutal piece of advice. And she goes, how long you been doing this? I've been in like two or three years. She goes, okay, when you're around people who've been doing this for 25, 30 years, more than you shut up, there's (laughs) nothing you can say. They don't know. Soak it in. And when you find yourself around people who've been doing it, as long as you who are talking, like they know what they're doing, close your ears because they're just going to (laughs) poison you with misinformation. The trick there is there are a lot of people who got great friends like Aaron Katz. He's a syndicator and he's been around about 10 years, but he is totally committed to learning, 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 learning. He doesn't do podcasts. He hasn't written a book. He doesn't have a show. He doesn't have a guru program. It's just constant learning. So there are some people who haven't been around 20, 25 years, but they put the time into getting the knowledge and getting the education. Find a real mentor. Not that there's anything wrong with the mentor programs and guru programs, But find a Robert Fath, who's the CEO of Graystar, or Steve DeFrancis, guys that have built 50,000 unit vertically integrated companies. Take them to lunch. Pick their brain. See how they did it. And they'll have some amazing stories to tell you. Find people who have done it a lot longer than you, who have seen the ups and downs, who weathered storms, and who've got the battle scars and learned from them.
2: Neil, that's great advice. I would imagine a lot of younger people try to get your attention and try to get you to mentor them. How does somebody make a positive impression on you to the point where you want to help them?
0: I'd love to help everybody. And we're trying to do that with a recruit. We're working on something called Investor Insight Academy. It's not a mentor program, a guru program. It's an information and an education program. And we want to put it out there for free just to help people learn. I remember the story of a guy, a very successful real estate investor, and he was outside and the garbage man pulled up and one of the garbage guys jumped off the back of the truck and says, Hey, teach me how to do what you do so I can take care of my family like this. And the words, so I can take care of my family like this is what made that guy take this waste management employee hanging off the back of a garbage truck, essentially and helped him to build his own portfolio. His why was it, his heart and his why were in the right place. He knew the guy had money because of this big house, but his first thought was, teach me how to do this so I can take care of my family. So I think somebody with the right why, somebody with the right fire. I'm 51 now. You get to be my age and you start seeing some of yourself in people that are a lot younger. You see the good traits and you see the, oh my God, was I really that much of an arrogance, not those little <laughs> punk? You see those type of things, but I think really too, it's also, you've got to build that relationship with people. My mentor and I, we hit it off well. He had pretty much the same sense of humor I did and it just clicked. It has to click. You can't force it.
2: Yeah. Great advice. And I love the why, because it seems like a lot of people just want that mailbox money, but that's all. They don't have the why. They don't have the motivation or the willingness to put the hours in. Yeah. Neil, are you ready for the best ever lightning round?
0: Let's do it.
2: Let's do it. Neil, what's the best ever book you recently read?
0: Trammell Crow, which is the story of Dallas multifamily developer, Trammell Crow. It's amazing. The guy created more millionaires. It's amazing. He gave so many young guys right out of college the opportunity to become sweat equity partners in these huge deals. You look at how many companies came out of Trammell Crow that are around today. His story is just really inspiring, and not only because of how high he rose, but the fall and the development when things crashed, 84 to about the nineties, right? The development crash and just coming out of that and how his personality and his focus that built Trammell Crow didn't work when it was trying to rebuild it after the fall. And he had to turn to one of his sons. It's it's a really great story.
2: That sounds fascinating. I wrote that down. That's going on my list. Awesome. Neil, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: My wife and I have adopted two children, so it's something that's really near and dear to our hearts. We adopted them through Child Protective Services. There's a group called Together We Rise, which is a great foundation that supplies these kids that are being taken out of their home with. Both children that were placed with us came to us literally with some clothes in a trash bag, half a can of baby formula. They had nothing. So together we rise, exist to work with CPS and work with these agencies that work with CPS. So that way children get backpacks, they get clothes, they get the things that they need while they're in this kind of really, well, it's not kind of, it is a traumatic transition in life. So we're heavily involved with that. And the other way is just sharing my knowledge any way I can with anyone who asks. That's incredible. Neil, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? You can reach me at Neil, N E I L at reitgroupx.com.
2: Awesome, Neil. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Over 20 years of real estate experience, development, over a million square feet under development as well. What an incredible story. And thanks for sharing a lot of your experience with us.
0: You're welcome. And again, thanks for having me on.
2: It's our pleasure. Best ever listeners. Thank you for joining us and have a best ever day.